Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Ledyard from FanRag Sports and NDT Scouting, along with Trevor Sycamore of PewterReport.com, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Today, we are talking about the NFC West. We've been going back and kind of looking at the 2017 draft classes and saying, okay, here's what happened year one with these guys. Below expectations, above expectations, met expectations, whatever it might be. Here's a logical outlook for them moving forward. And so far, I think it's been pretty, it's been pretty enjoyable. And it's also good, Trev, I think for us to talk through and see where these guys are at and, and look at kind of rosters and be like, here's where they could be headed. Here's where, what could be on the horizon, or it's a huge year. I was just looking, I'm writing about, uh, for FanRag, I'm writing about Baltimore and their edge rusher situation. And they drafted Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams with the idea that Matt Judon wouldn't break out and Terrell Suggs would be 35 and probably get near the end. And then Suggs had 11 sacks and Judon had eight and those guys look like the future. And now Bowser and Williams, you know, they played less than Zadarius Smith last year. So now they've basically, Williams played the fifth most amount of their edges last year. So it's a huge year for Williams, huge year for Bowser. And I know we're not talking about the North AFC North today. We're talking about the NFC West, but it just kind of impact, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it over the last couple of shows. We're, we are in an age of football where, I mean, unless you are like a sixth, seventh undrafted free agent, there's no redshirt year for you, man. Like, you've got to get in there and you've got to play right away. That's just the NFL that we're dealing with. You're getting all these kinds, all these teams that are trying to get ahead of the salary cap, trying to get the most out of their rookie contracts when they're paying guys. It's not just a, it's not just a warm-up anymore. you got to be ready, and that's why, you know, we're not doing a – here we are, we're doing this – 2017 kind of like look back because it's not, it's not fair to do a redraft yet so that's, that's not what we're doing we were doing that the last couple of weeks not necessarily fair to redraft but we are looking at classes saying uh hey you know it, even if guys didn't produce last year it's kind of time like the rosters always shape up pretty early for these rookies to have an impact yeah absolutely i think it's going to be the cardinals draft class is going to be one to really watch this season what do you, know you think I mean? of Son Riddick last year, or not even last year, like going into this scouting process? I liked him a lot. You know, I loved the fact that they were going to move him to linebacker. And he had a little experience there, and he looked great there in the senior bowl. So obviously it was a projection. It was somewhat risky. Um, here's the part that doesn't make any sense. He goes to Arizona with a 13th pick. They obviously want to play him at linebacker. They're not considering really playing him in another position. Marcus Golden gets hurt. They don't have another edge rusher on their team. They move him to edge rusher. The dude is already moving to a new position as a rookie in the NFL. Right, right. Why would you? Why would you not let him develop there? This isn't like some fifth round guy you're just trying to play anywhere. This is your first round pick. It's a top fifteen pick. You want him to be your linebacker of the future, and you're taking him out of his new position and bringing him back to an old one because why? There's really no good reason. Like, who cares? You just aren't going to get passers from that side. Chandler Jones led the NFL in sacks. Like, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that. You know, you don't have Rush on the other side, and, and you can live with that. But, I mean, it was a lost year for the Cardinals anyway. Just give the guy a chance to develop. So, he, you know, that's frustrating to me. I hate that, um, that they did that with Redick. I hate I hate the way Arizona's treat a lot of rookies, to be honest. And I like Darians, but it was just like Buda Baker should have been playing from the beginning. And then, sure enough, he gets on the field halfway through the year, toward the end of the year, and he's you know arguably their best defensive back other than Peterson. I mean, yeah. playing yeah. out of his mind, pro football focus, grading him really highly. You know, all sites pretty much, you know, making splash plays and, you know, really doing exactly what we kind of said he would do. I mean, he, dude started seven games, finished with 74 tackles. I mean, he's just all over the field. He broke up seven passes. He forced two fumbles. He's all over the field. He's making plays. Wait, 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 wait. Sack. wait, wait, wait. 
Yeah. He started seven games. Seven games. He played in all and 16. And got 74 tackles? Yeah. He played special teams, but, like, you know, what are you, what are we talking about there? Like, tackle a game, maybe? Dude was all That's over the crazy. Field. Yeah. He's, he's, I'm telling dude, he's, he was one of the best players in last year's class. I had him. Wow. I, think, I mean, like, I love Buddha. I thought that he had a phenomenal year, but I didn't even, I didn't even know the stats were, <laughs> were that good. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's an, that's an insane number. I mean, per start, obviously, that's like 10 tackles per start, but like, you know, I know he People played in the other game. He had some beforehand, like, with yeah. starts, but even then, if you, I mean, if you're a rookie getting seven, eight tackles a game. Boy, man, look up Cardinals tackle. I mean, that had to be, I know tackles are, all right, all right. We're doing some we're doing some investigative research. All right, this is live journalism. Tackles are a funny stat, obviously, but for safeties, they're usually pretty and like they're not usually very misleading. Like, we're gonna get to the bottom of this, folks. Baker played all over too, so he played 513 snaps. He played 48 percent of the team snaps. He did play a lot on special teams. Played 307 special team snaps, but 513 defensive snaps, 74 tackles. That's wild, man. All right, where did you read 74? Uh, NFL.com. Okay, because Pro Football Reference says he had 45. Uh, are they talking about – they're probably just talking about solo tackles, right? But then they have assists with 13, so even then it's only 58. The NFL.com has 58 total tackles and six or 16 assisted, 58 uh, solo, and combined make 74. How do, how does Pro Football Reference have what did you say they had fifty forty five? Well, what combined? I mean, fifty eight. That's like not even close. Right, these numbers are not close. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at Buddha's. We, we've discovered something here. Now we're dovetailing from our regularly scheduled programming. We've got to discover what's going on here. Pro Football Reference. What are we doing, fellas? Or NFL.com. Or the mother. Or the mothership is wrong. <laughs> Wait, we got okay, let's look. Okay, CBS Sports. Here we go. Tom All right, Breaker. we gotta get we gotta get a third Fox neutral Sports. third party you in check, here. You check Fox Sports, see what they say. Okay. All right. No, I'll never. CBS Sports says seventy four tackles, fifty eight solo. All right, I'm looking at ESPN really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. ESPN says 58 total, 16 assists. Yeah, that's 74. 74 total. total. Yeah. So he had 74 tackles, and pro football reference, even though I think it's a great site, can screw off. Wow. Yeah. You're only saying that because you want you want his stats to look better. Dude was flying. No, I'm not. That's three You're sites. You're only saying that. That's three sites. Oh, get out of here. I will cape for Buddha I stand all with day. Pro Football Reference. Oh my, get out of here! I don't even think you're reading it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's two numbers. Yeah, it's a shame the oh, struggles we got a, that we, we got. A seven here <laughs> and a uh, four. Huge year for Chad Williams too. Huh? Draft Twitter favorite, Grambling statewide receiver, Senior Bowl standout. Went deep at the Senior Bowl like three times, and yep. everybody fell in love with him. Yep, exactly. Big year for him, though, because they don't have any other wide receivers other than Larry Fitzgerald and that little dude, J.J. Nelson. So That little dude. God, the disrespect on this show right now. First, it's, pro fo- First, it's an established site like Pro Football Reference, Listen. and now you're taking out a bona fide Hall of Famer. But I have the backs. Unbelievable. Of, Unbelievable. I have the backs of bona fide 
elite sites like NFL.com and ESPN and things like that. So that negates the pro football reference hate and the fact that Chad Williams is about to lay thunder to J.J. Nelson and get him basically on the roster bubble is also going to be substantiated this season. Don't disagree with that. I really don't. I Actually, I disagree with myself there because I don't know that Chad Williams is going to be. I mean, it's Christian Kirk's here, Fitzgerald, J.J. Nelson, and Chad Williams, and those are going to be the top four probably. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens from that standpoint. But, yeah, big year for all three of those guys because you saw the flashes with Reddick, but they moved in positions. They didn't let Baker play, and then he played, and he was a stud, and Williams has barely played at this point, and he, and a lot's going to be asked of him this season. So it's a huge year for the 17 class. I mean, the Cardinals, if they can't rely on their secondary, it's going to be messy because we know the defensive line has their issues, um, but they've, they've got to be able to get great play out of their secondary. And, you know, it's been – it's going to be change. Obviously, some things are going to be changing, but they need receivers to step up. Fitzgerald's getting near the end. You know, Nelson is definitely not a number one. So, it's, is it going to be Williams? Could he could he grow into that role? Um, you know, how big a season is Kirk going to have? You know, a lot on him as well. So, you know, got to get some weapons developing for Josh Rosen. How about Seattle, the Seahawks? We've been very critical of their drafts, uh, as we did the redrafts of. Well, recent past drafts. Probably because yeah. they've been bad. Yeah, they have been un- unquestionably bad. Going back to 2017, I don't really know what to say. Uh, Malik McDowell, we've heard a lot of different things. <laughs> he got in a car accident, obviously, which was terrible. Uh, but I, I, from, yeah, yeah. We don't know whether most of the people that we talked to, or... Malik McDowell is just not going to play. Right. Whether, yeah, we don't know. Whether, don't would, know. Would, whether he would have gotten the accident or not, which, right. I mean, sucks to say. I'm not trying to, like, desensitize that at all. Um, right. It just. That's what we've not, hashtag heard. Yeah, it did, did not seem like McDowell was even going to get on the field for the Seahawks, which yeah. sucks because McDowell was kind of that, like, obviously, like, super edgy player. There were the character concerns there. Didn't know what you were going to get from him. Um, like there are reports that he kind of like blatantly went against coaching when he was at Michigan state. I mean, he's the guy who's a defensive lineman who's got that edge to him in that regard. Seahawks are a team that I think takes a risk on those guys thinking they could tame them, get the most out of them, make them focused. Um, and that just did not happen with Malik McDowell, or at least it certainly has not yet. Um, and it doesn't really look like it is. So a complete turnaround would kind of shock me. Certainly. I hope that every, football player does he was one of the best players from a talent perspective in last year's class no he was awesome i thought his tape was really awesome but you know i'm a guy who even i don't like with red flags i i go kind of like case by case sometimes i'm just like yeah but i'd i'd still take a chance on this guy and malik mcdowell is kind of those people where i was just like yeah i'd still take a chance on him but man um He's very early very, very edgy dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> very early second round pick is it was it was yeah. a risk from lee mcdowell I not talent at the combine well. right i talked to him at the combine and i was it did not take long to understand oh okay so this is what they're talking about <laughs> right <laughs> sure but sure. still yeah Tal- was Carl lost the same way kind of uh, well, except he had like super high character marks from people at Auburn. They like raved about him. Yeah, but like, yeah, but no, I'm just talking about the combine. Uh, he was like, uh, kind of like, I'm going to prove myself chip on my shoulder where McDowell was just like a uh, dick. Yeah, I don't know how to say it nicely. He was literally <laughs> I'm sorry. just like, yeah, he was just like not helpful or cooperative, like hated being there. Like Lawson was like, I'll answer your questions. I'm just going to tell you I'm the man. Like. I yeah, I just remember, was okay, like okay, that's fair. I just remember Lawson being super edgy. Like somebody, somebody asked Carl Lawson, um, I don't know, I think it was something about his shoulder or whatever. Um, yeah. And he was just like, 
he was just like, whether you think my shoulder was hurt or not, turn on the tape. I'm one of the, I'm I'm the best pass rusher in the SEC. Right. Whether yeah. you think my shoulder was hurt or not. He was like a straight wow, savage, yeah. No, right. no lack of confidence with that dude, which I loved. Uh, okay, so Ethan Posick is going to be one of the starting interior offensive linemen. Lord help I like him. him. I thought that pick was good. Mm, is he uh, not good? I, he was rough last year, but that's understandable. I mean, the whole group is bad, so it's hard. Right, you know, it's the Seahawks O-line. Yeah, I'm glad that he's not at center. Um, I thought that that was a rough spot for him on college tape. He's, uh, he's super tall, so like hit me in his yeah. center was always weird. And he man. got like leveraged a lot, like he got like driven. Oh, well, obviously, yeah. So we'll see how he does a guard. Um, it I always thought it was funny giving Russell Wilson a six six guard though. Like there's probably only like two in the league. Him well, I Glasgow. thought that they drafted him. That was one of my things. It's like they drafted him, and he could have potentially been a center. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Russell Wilson's their quarterback. <laughs> But that kind of throws the whole can't see over the O line narrative out the window, well, I guess. Don't have to see over the O line if you're running to the sideline making a throw every play. You know? Hey, man. Show me the lie. <laughs> Shaquille Griffin uh, has to be the number one DB now. Probably more pressure on him than anybody else, right? I mean, Sherman's gone. Yeah. They don't really have a second. Yeah, he's got to be the man. Secondary's a mess. He comes in at the time. He, you know, he comes in, he thinks he's playing with the Legion of Boom. Then Chancellor suffers like a potentially career ending injury. Earl Thomas is holding out and talking about getting traded and all that crap. Um, Sherman tears is what was his Achilles and then gets traded. Away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so poor Shaquille Griffin comes in. He's like, I get to play with Legion of boom. Like I'm going to be the other starter with these three, like, you know, I don't know. Hall of famers might be rich, but like star players. And sure. then like in a year it's gone. <laughs> so now he's like the, arguably the best, depending on what happens with Earl Thomas, he could be the best player in the secondary for Seattle this season. Um, and he, yeah, he was solid last year. You know, I, I thought there were some moments that were weak for him, but, um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of asked of a lot of these guys, I mean, Delano, Delano Hill could step up and have to start. He was another, he was a 95th pick and, you know, they had four picks from 90 to 106. So four third rounders really. And, and Naz Jones was going to have to step up because McDowell didn't work out now. And he flashed some as a rookie and, you know, looked good. Um, Sean Richardson won't be, isn't back obviously he's in Minnesota now. So again, big, season for Naz Jones. Uh, Amar Darbo could get lost in that wide receiver shuffle. He had a really rough rookie season. Uh, Tedrick Thompson, who I like I thought a lot. Darbo had a lot of really nice highlight catches at Michigan where you thought that this guy could be a number three, number four on the roster. Yeah, he definitely had some moments, no doubt. I mean, but, uh, you know, it just didn't show anything last year. Tedrick Thompson didn't really get the chance to play last year. He's more of a true free safety. But if Earl Thomas is holdout or – persist or if he gets traded whatever happens i mean it could be thompson and hill at safety with with griffin at one of the corners i mean they could have three starters in this class and jones could be starting on the d-line so there's just a ton up in the air right now uh for seattle the whole ro- whole defensive roster almost is up in the air and well, seattle is very much in a in a in an almost identity crisis at this point oh very true very true yeah ha- this season is going to be fascinating for them because they still have some talent but i you just don't see a team go from having guys like Averill and Thomas and Sherman and Chancellor, like Attila and Richardson, even and potentially having McDowell as a part of that group and Bennett. And now, like, all those dudes are potentially gone this season. Like, yeah. all of them could not be back. Yeah. It's just crazy to have that kind of turnover. And really, a lot of it was unluckiness. Like, Chancellor and Averill, the same year, both suffering potentially career ending injuries. I mean, those are two of their best players. You know, it's just unlucky type of stuff in some of those situations. Palmer. You know, yep. even Sherman suffering the injury, you know. Although he was getting older anyway. How about the 49ers? San Fran. 
What do you think of their 2017 draft class? Um, I I mean, you getting Reuben Foster at 31 is the best value in the draft, no question. Yeah, if if um, you know if obviously. Well, I mean, like he right. Obviously, there's the character things that have been surrounding him. He's been in the news uh, for things that he shouldn't be in the news for. But this recent case came out. No charges against him for domestic violence, anything like that. And I'm pretty sure. I, I I mean, didn't something come out where it was almost like it was all staged or something? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, she she kind of said on the stand that it was yeah that she made the whole thing up, so. which sucks. I mean, no question. I think they handled it. I think they handled it properly. Obviously, alienating themselves from Ruben Foster during the entire process, doing what they needed to do, respecting the victims first. Um, but it obviously kind of turned out to be something that was almost just like a like a hit against Foster. So. Obviously, you don't ever want guys to be in this situation anyways. Um, he, and he's but, not the first time for him. So it's fair to say, okay, well, right. we need to see how so, the character concerns progress with Foster. Certainly. But in this situation, and I mean, it's like, relieving. The, the thing at the it. Combine, I, I mean, that's that was a weird story anyways, right? I mean, right. like they were checking his arm medically at the Combine, and he ended up freaking out at a, the person who was doing his medical checks and was, like, yelling at him and almost, like, threatening him or something. So – not that, yeah, this is like a one-time isolated incident, and you still need the guy to to get, you know, I mean, I guess get his act together. But but know, if, if that happens, Foster and Solomon Thomas, you know, have a chance to be a really special duo of first-round picks. So Foster, sure. I think, will be one of the best linebackers in the league this year if everything checks out in the league. You know, sometimes the league will see what happens. Yeah, so I think he'll be one of the best linebackers in the league. The real, the real onus is on Solomon Thomas, right? I mean, he's the third overall pick. There's right. a lot of other good players that are on the board and players that have already kind of proven themselves. And Thomas was solid as a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, started off slow, kind of like you expect. He played mostly on the interior for Stanford. That obviously wasn't going to happen at 273 pounds. So they moved him to the edge in San Francisco. He does move around some, obviously. But, you know, it's going to take time for Solomon Thomas to, to learn edge moves and all that kind of stuff and how to attack off the edge. And it's a different position. But I thought toward the end of the year he got better and better. Good run defender. Can he improve as a pass rusher? He's going to have to make an impact in that way. Uh, that's really what they need to see from him this season. But you could argue that Solomon Thomas has as big a second season as any of these guys. But I think it's going to be a second and third seasons. And again, Thomas is like kind of the opposite of Foster and like that. They the people joked about this even because they they interviewed together in their opening press conference. But you know, Thomas was like as clean cut as it get, gets on and off the field kind of type of guy. And there were like no character concerns with him and he's busted his tail and he's going to work his tail off every single, you know, he's going to be that kind of a guy like where you're not going to question the commitment or anything like that. So, you know, he'll make an impact just because of that stuff. And because he's a t- complete freak athlete, but can he become a polished pass rusher? You take a guy number three to play on the edge or to play mm-hmm. anywhere in your D line. He's got to be a double digits that guy. Every single yeah. season, you know, to move him forward once he develops. So that's like the thing with, with Thomas. Yeah, like exactly like Deion Jordan and Barkevius Mingo. Exactly like that. I mean, Bjorn Werner. <laughs> Bjorn Werner was picking the 20s. I know. It's not... I know. Uh, still a bus. Still a bus. Not saying Still a bus, but, but not the same level. But did we give Bjorn Werner the super F? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was Man. one of the only guys on that list that was out of the league. He and D. Milliner. C.J. Beathard, good to get their thir- their franchise quarterback in the third. He skipped right over Akello Witherspoon, who Richard Sherman talked up today. Oh, okay. He's going to be the starter at the other corner. My concern with Akello Witherspoon coming out was this. 
he was a great athlete and he was, he was a good athlete and he was plenty long and had, you know, a lot of flashes on tape, but the dude didn't want to tackle a soul. And it was painfully obvious every time you put on his tape. And like we said, we said this a couple weeks ago, you know, you just there's not a lot of players that can get by in the NFL without being physical. And I had a third round grade on Akello, so this was kind of the spot they they took him with the sixty sixth pick. And that was kind of the round of the spot that I had him in. So teams kind of felt the same way, but he stepped up last year. From all accounts, he was he was a much better tackler and much more willing to tackle. So maybe there was an injury or something at Colorado um, that kept him from, I don't know. But whatever the reason, he seems like he's playing really well right now. And, you know, Sherman's been talking him up, and he looks like he's going to be the other starter on the outside for San Francisco. Big season for him, obviously. Sherman coming off the major injury, so – Witherspoon's gonna have to step up, but if they found their two guys and Sherman and Witherspoon, that secondary's just had unrest for forever. I mean, when was the last time you thought the four hour secondary was like a stable, really good group? Even when they had good defenses there, that really wasn't how you thought about their secondary, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of great corners. front sevens, but they've had kind of this revolving door at corner. Um, yeah, never been a corner identity team, right? So I think that it's big for Akella Witherspoon this season. I don't know that you expect anything from Beathard or from Joe Williams, right? I mean, no, Joe Williams. <laughs> so I, I tell this story um, at the East West Shrine Games in Saint Petersburg two years ago when Joe Williams was there. You ever seen that drill where there's a football, but there's a rope on the end of it, like where the nose of it is, mm-hmm. and that rope goes to kind of like a like a handle and. What the coach does is he has him run over, uh, like doing like high knees and stuff, like in between like bags and stuff. And as they go through it, the coach is like yanking on the ball with the rope, probably like five feet away or something. And the whole point is don't fumble, right? The whole point is like keep the ball as you're going through the drill, doing the high knees, everything like that. Joe Williams literally couldn't do it. <laughs> he couldn't do it. He couldn't hold on to the ball. They had to go on to the next drill because Joe Williams couldn't do it. You know, I'm completely convinced Joe Williams would have gone undrafted or at least like sixth, seventh round, which is undrafted range anyway. If he, if if John Lynch hadn't had this well, you've heard the story, right? Unreal epiphany. The day of the uh, the day of day three of the draft, where I thought it was wasn't it? I thought it was um Shanahan wanted him. Shanahan wanted Joe Williams. He liked him. Yeah, okay. And Lynch was like, he's not even on our board. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me this dude isn't on your board, despite the fact your head coach wants him in the fourth round. I don't understand that. Like we it, think this was look, the man, first time they had this conversation about Joe teams. Williams. <laughs> Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Teams do a lot of scouting stuff really well at a really deep level. Sometimes their processes and systems are really, really great. Other times, they're just winging it as much as we think they are. It's just so weird to me. Like, for any team, but especially San Francisco, because everything about the Shanahan Lynch era has been them working together. Was stuff in the Raiders draft this year true? I don't even know what what was. Oh, McKenzie and Gruden, basically like having yeah. two different boards. Okay, so maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but that's a good point to bring up because that at least makes some not like sense in terms of how to build a team, but sense in terms of Gruden wants to take over. Obviously, he was brought in to take over. McKenzie's still here. It's an awkward situation. They could definitely have like two 
drastically different sets of opinions and it'd just be like this terrible situation. But like, that's not really in San Francisco, like Shanahan and Lynch have everything they've done has been hand in hand. They've complimented each other. Right. They interview right. together. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. they've been this kind of perfect pairing and that's how, you know, and they really have, I mean, they've, they've done a good job so far, but this Williams pick was just so bizarre to me because they get to Williams and they're like, yeah, he isn't even on our board. Lynch was like, but you know, Kyle Shannon really liked him and I thought about it and I went for a walk. Saw him, and I he called saw him, him in again, a dream, and, dude. Yeah. He was saw like, I called dream. him again and I was like, Hey, like, you know, we're thinking about taking you and I'm convinced it'll work. And they, t- they build it. Like it was this great story. Guy who wasn't even on their board gets drafted in the fourth round. I was just like, that's stupid. Like, that's so dumb. Like, he was not on your board on day three of the draft, and then you took him with your first pick of day three of the draft. That is a stupid story. Don't tell no, people dude, that. It makes no, you look it's, bad. A, it's a dream. He saw it in a dream. I mean, it's nice for Joe Williams, except for the fact that now Jarek McKinnon's here. And No, that's a, the funny part is Joe Williams is, like, for sure going to make this roster, right? I mean, 49ers, we all thought they would take a running back early or whatever. Like, nah. Jarek McKinnon. Joe Williams, Matt Breda, Jeremy McNichols, your boy. Yikes. Raheem, don't, don't even. Raheem don't even. Mostert. Raheem Mustard. Jeffrey Wilson, who's a rookie undrafted. Who are these people? Yeah. So Joe Williams might be like RB2 for real. Derek McKinnon's going to get like 500 carries this year. Joe Williams is going to go off for like 800 yards. Oh, if he did, year. then I would I would take back what I said. I would say it is actually a great story. A stupid process, but it turned out to be a great story. Maybe. And Cal Shannon Maybe. is the best. Joe Williams Joe Williams had all that really crazy production at Utah and then like kind of like super retired. And well, then, he like quit the team and then yeah, came and, back. And then they like, they like begged him to come back because they literally had no offense without him. Yeah. Well, the, and then he, and then he did come back like midway through the season and then balled out again. So, I mean, Joey is talented and he's fast, but he's I don't fast, know. We'll yeah. I thought his tape was pretty bad, but it we'll see what happens with like him. A, it was weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Trent Taylor stepped up and had a great season. Wow, this past just going year. over George Kittle like that. No, okay. I was gonna, I was I was literally no, about fine. to say No, it's fine. Was, no, it's fine. No, you just went over both the Iowa dudes, CJ Beathard, George I, Kittle. Whatever, it's fine. I was literally about no, to dude, say you ever, if I ever see you eating corn again, I'm gonna call you out. It's fine. If you had let me finish my sentence, my my next phrase was gonna be I said Trent Taylor stood out last year with forty three catches for four hundred and thirty yards and two touchdowns, but George Kittle was even better and more productive per catch. Nah, it's too late now, Despite dude. being a tight end, same number of catches, had almost 100 yards more than Trent Taylor did. So even though both were fifth-round picks, guys that are probably both going to start this season and both going to have a lot asked to them because uh, you know Kittle should be the, the number one tight end in San Francisco, and Taylor he will have to compete with a couple other guys, uh, but he really should be in that top three wide receivers still for the 49ers. So watch out for DJ Jones, too. My boy, sixth-round pick, played well as a rookie, and he's going to have a chance to get a little starting time in San Francisco, so I'm excited to see what he does. How about the Rams? we got to br- touch on him real quick before we wrap up. Uh, weird class for the Rams. Second year, what is it two years in a row now they haven't had a first-round pick? Yeah. <laughs> There's a three. Well, they got the, uh, the, greatest, the greatest wide receiver the Senior Bowl has ever seen, Cooper Cup. That's true. Cooper Cup was see now he he was the 69th overall pick. So right away nice. he was destined for greatness. And then you already had the senior bull buzz that was over the top, but Cup was still good there. Like it was just like people were like he's a lock first rounder. I was like what are you watching? And people were talking about how he didn't drop any passes and it was like what what? Like Cup dropped so many passes. People said he was the best wide receiver they'd ever seen in the senior bowl and I yep. was like yep. Dude yep. 
Josh Reynolds was leaps and bounds better than him at this <laughs> senior ball. Right. And obviously, Cup was a little more polished and ready for a slot role. Which it is also what hella needed, pissed but. me off that they ended up taking Josh Reynolds afterwards. Right. And Reynolds won't can't even get the opportunity this year because they signed Brandon Cook. So it's going to be Cooks and Woods on the outside and Cup on the slot. And Reynolds is going to be wide receiver four again. So we need somebody to hurt. But Reynolds was balling. I mean, last year when he played, he looked good. But Cup was, yeah, Cup was he, very he is, good last year. He's good. Yeah. And Cup was very solid last year. He dropped way too many passes and a couple in really big moments for the Rams. But I mean, I think this is a guy that's committed to his craft and you know, he's the kind of guy you want in the slot. Uh, he has that, that grit factor. You know what I mean? That wow. high effort, you know? Wow. So no, I, I think cups, every gonna, coach's dream <laughs> cups, gonna always be in his playbook. Gerald real Everett's blue, the guy, real blue collar guy. Oh my goodness. Quick, Here not fast. Go. I'm pretty sure he was a coach's son. Is he Sean McVay's son? <laughs> Might be. Can't remember. Uh, big Sean year for Gerald like Everett. Twenty five. Right? Gerald Everett's got. A, I mean, he was our first pick in this draft. He was a forty fourth pick I'm, overall. I'm actually gonna look that up. What Gerald Everett? No, I don't care you're, about Gerald. You're Everett. still on Cooper Cup, aren't you? I knew when I said that you that would be your your dude. You wouldn't be able. To All right, Cooper Cup's twenty five. Sean McVay is thirty two, so he's probably not his son. <laughs> Cooper Cup's twenty five. Yes. <laughs> 25. He was, he was 20, bro, he was a 24-year-old rookie last year. And, like, people were thinking this dude's a first-round pick. I forgot all about that, that he was angry. He's old. I remember that now, yeah. So, he should have been playing, hit the ground running, and he did. 62 catches, 869 And I don't yards, want anybody out there dare saying that I look like him or he looks like me or vice versa. Because we're going to fight. You do not look like Cooper Cup. Thank you. No. But how about Gerald Everett? I mean, 44th pick. I don't look like Gerald Everett either. Fair. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you look more like Gerald Everett than Cooper Cup. <laughs> Everett didn't do much as a rookie, but there's going to be the opportunity for him to do a lot more this season. He was really he not polished. Hands, <laughs> he has small hands. Oh, I got I to look. I can't remember what his hand size was. Let me look it up. You you could argue, though, that John Johnson and Samson Ebucom are the rookies to watch for the Rams this season because Johnson was really good last year. Now he steps into that full-time role, which he kind of stepped into last year. But think about that secondary, dude. Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Nikel Roby Coleman. Johnson's mm-hmm. the least proven of those guys. If Johnson steps into the other safety spot and is a stud, that's the best secondary in the league, right? I actually um, – because Johnson was at the senior bowl, correct? Yes. He made some very athletic plays, if I'm remembering him correctly. Yeah. Like, very athletic. And so that was kind of what um, – I didn't even really know who he was going in the Senior Bowl. And when I kind of saw him have his little flashes, my eyes kind of like lit up. And I went back and watched some of his tape, and he is. He's, he shows some some serious athleticism. So Yeah. No, he's – He's the real deal. I liked him coming out. I had a third round grade on him. I was he went in that range. Uh, he went ninety first, which was actually lo- a good bit lower than I had him. I think. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him this season. And, and Ebucom, you know, he flashed a little bit. Two sacks as a rookie, and he was a guy nobody'd ever heard of. He killed his workout at his pro day. People yeah. thought, oh, maybe he'll get drafted. Then he went in the fourth round, one hundred twenty five overall. You know, see, so he went way higher than people thought. And yeah. now. There's nobody there in the Rams. They, they don't have no, any edge pass yeah, rushers. He, he might get some. He might get some serious reps. I mean, he's going to start. He's probably yeah. going to play a lot. So I'm. I'm really excited to see him. He is really explosive. Um, you know, to, 
And I think he has some bend. He just had no moves, no awareness, no nothing. Like he was just kind of a high effort. Rams drafted two Eastern Washington guys. Could not be me, but it looks like both could work out for them. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, by the way, Gerald felt... Everett. Go ahead. What's by the way, Gerald Everett, uh, six, and six, six, three and a half, eight and a half inch hands. <laughs> there it is. Not as small as Jeremy Reeves, though. What was Reeves like? Six and six. Uh, let me look. It was like something insane. Insanely small. And then I tried to watch Reeves' tape, and I couldn't see anything else but his hands. They were just so small. <laughs> it's like, this is amazing. But, yeah, anyway, back to Ebucom. The Rams obviously having a lot of faith in him to play him off the edge because – they don't have anybody else, and they didn't draft anybody else, really. I mean, they're they're rolling with this group. And they traded away Robert Quinn, so they they have to feel good about what they're going to get from him as a player. So I'm really excited to see the Rams draft class because they have a potential to have a good class despite not having a first-round pick, which is always, you know, Minnesota has done that before, too. And I think it's really helped turn their team around. So the money rounds, did they hit on the money rounds? That's going to be the question for the Rams. You got Reeves' hand size? Uh, seven and six-eighths. Which is three fours. That's the smallest hands I've ever seen going in the draft process. That's easily smaller than mine. Yeah. Mine are like ten and ten. Well, something. I mean you're built like a linebacker, so I don't know about that, but more like a linebacker than, than I am like Jeremy Reeves. Let's put it That's that way. true. That is true. All right, what we got next week? Same thing for the AFC, right? And we will yes. have a fan Friday next week. We will. Yes. We promise. No matter what it takes. Until then. Keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.